You are listening to the Salty Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Anas Kesto. I'm salty not just because Jesus says you're the salt of the earth, but also because I'm salty in the sense that I'm watching the culture shift towards this progressive ideology, and it's becoming more anti-Christian by the day, and it's been slowly destroying our Christian values. I'm also salty because I'm watching Catholics become very lukewarm in their faith and not standing up and defending against this secular culture. So I'm here to sprinkle in a little bit of flavor. Alright, let's begin. Many of us today don't fear the Lord. We fear the world more than we fear the Lord. Or at least if we do fear the Lord, we fear Him in the wrong way. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7 says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Keep this verse in mind as you listen to this episode. First, let me explain what it means to fear the Lord. Because we hear the word fear, and we are tempted to assume that it means we fear the Lord the way we fear a ghost, or a spider, or your mother-in-law coming over. But that's not what it means. It means to be in awe, or to have this, this profound respect for the Lord. Fearing the Lord is actually one of the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, which is outlined in the book of Isaiah in chapter 11. We receive these gifts in baptism, so fearing the Lord is something that shouldn't be looked at as a bad thing because it comes from the Holy Spirit. We receive it from God. It comes along with the other seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are wisdom, understanding, counsel, fortitude, knowledge, and piety. This gift of the fear of the Lord perfects our hope of remaining in God's grace and that someday we will be with Him in heaven. This means that this fear is caused by love, fearing that we will lose Him by sin. In the St. Alphonsus version of the Stations of the Cross Meditation, the eighth station has a part that's always stood out to me. It goes like this, I weep for the sins that I have committed against you because of the punishment I deserve for them, and still more because of the displeasure that they have caused you who have loved me with an infinite love. It is your love more than the fear of hell, which makes me weep for my sins. What a beautiful prayer. What a beautiful gift that we receive from the Holy Spirit, that we fear losing God more than we fear hell. This fear is called filial fear. Filial fear. Sorry, it's a tongue twister. But it's it's like the fear of a child who's afraid to hurt the feelings of his parents, uh, who's afraid to disappoint his mom and dad because of their mutual love. It's the opposite of what's called servile fear, which is based on punishment. It's like the fear a slave has for his master. Servile fear is how most people fear the Lord today. They're afraid that if they act bad, that God will punish them. That if they don't behave in a certain way, or don't recite certain prayers at a certain time, or if they don't hang a rosary from their rearview mirror, that God will be angry with them. Now, to be fair, even though that's not how we should be treating our relationship with God, It's far better than fearing the world than fearing God. At least if you fear God in the wrong way, you know, the way a servant would fear his master, you can, and most likely will, be corrected with some basic theology, reading scripture more carefully, or just time. The more you get to know the Lord, the less you will fear him as this mean, angry figure who sets a bunch of rules that you better obey or else, and you'll get to love him and fear losing him through sin. But fearing the world more than fearing God? Oof. That's a lot of work to get out of that habit. Jesus warns us not to fear the world in many verses. For example, in Matthew 10, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And this is before he sends them out on their mission. He's giving them instructions like, Go gather the lost sheep, cure the sick, drive out demons, don't take money from anyone, um, enter the house in peace, and if they don't want to listen to you, then leave the house in peace. Those kind of things. And then he starts warning them about the coming persecution that they'll experience on the journey. He begins by warning them, saying that I am sending you like sheep amongst wolves. 
<laughs> but trust me, it gets worse. He goes on and tell them that people will hand them over to courts to be scourged, and that they'll be taken in front of governors and kings to be punished just for associating with him. That brother will hand over brother to death, father his children, children their parents, a lot of crazy stuff will happen. But he does give them hope and assurance. After he tells them how badly they're going to be treated, he says to them, When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak and what you are to say. You will be given at that moment what you are to say, for it will not be you who speaks, but the spirit of your father speaks through you. And Jesus ends his instructions by telling them this, and pay very close attention. Do not be afraid of them. Nothing is concealed that will not be revealed, nor secret that will not be known. What I say to you in the darkness, speak in the light. And do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Jesus makes it perfectly clear. Fear the Lord, not the world. But of course, because we're human and we're dumb, we go and do the exact opposite. We fear the world far more than we fear God. We fear the world the way we should be fearing God. We're afraid to disappoint the world. We're afraid to hurt the feelings of the world that will even compromise the truth and our love for Christ to do so. Just look at the world around us. Forget the non-believers. They don't fear God because they've already kicked Him out of their life. They can't fear what they don't know. They already suppress the truth so that they can enjoy the sins of the world carefree. And I'll go as far as to say that they fear the Lord so much, the non-believers fear the Lord so much, that they just pretend He doesn't exist. They would rather live in a life and pretend He doesn't exist because it's much easier to live in a world without rules. And ironically, they're specifically the ones who should be fearing the Lord the most. But they put the world first because this is all they have to live for. They don't have a God to live for. They don't have a God who sacrificed himself for their sins. So all they have is themselves. So what do they do? They end up making up things to live for, like the universe, uh, the environment, uh, social justice, just so that they can have a purpose. They make up their own version of God because that version of God that they made up, they're able to control. They're able to set the rules of how this God thinks and what this God wants. The God that created the universe, the true God, that God they cannot control. So they just push him to the side and just pretend that he doesn't exist because they're spiritually lazy. Remember the verse of Proverbs I mentioned in the beginning. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So why would we be afraid of fools? Why would we fear fools before we fear the all-knowing God? It doesn't make any sense. And this is what puzzles me. As Christians, we worry so much about what the world thinks of us that we often compromise the truth to satisfy people who... Let's be honest, couldn't care less about you, your faith, about Jesus, or about the truth itself. They create their own world, and they set their own set of rules that they want to play by, just so they don't have to make an effort to change and conform to reality. So why should you do the same? Why should you conform to their ignorance? Stick to your God. Look at what's happening. And by the way, we let this happen as Christians because we were too afraid of being called, you know, some mean names on social media, and, you know, we might feel a little bit icky inside if we say the truth. You know, God forbid we preach a gospel. But look at this. People being confused about their sexuality, and that's being celebrated and encouraged, even in children as young as four. Sexualizing children up to the point where they're being taken to drag queen shows, and there's nude adults in a room full of adults. There are men calling themselves women, and women calling themselves men. The actress Ellen Page removed her breasts, and now she's calling herself Elliot Page and identifying as a man. And people are being suspended and permanently removed from social media just for refusing to play along with the charade. And there was a male prisoner who identified as a woman 
and he was moved to a women's prison, and guess what happened? He impregnates two inmates. And then there is the suckering of women into thinking that killing a human who's growing inside of them is somehow empowering, or that is a way to take control of your body. You're being told that you're not being tolerant or inclusive, you know, the favorite buzzwords of the progressives, if you don't, not only allow them to do whatever they want to do, no, that's not good enough. You have to actually play along with their delusions, and you better be wearing that rainbow flag with pride or else. These things are happening now, and what do most Catholics do? They tug their tail in between their legs. They run away from an argument and hide behind the, well, you know, I just don't want to sound mean. That's between them and God. You know, God will deal with them. And don't get me wrong. There are a lot of Catholics who are very vocal about this stuff. And they're out there fighting against these atrocities. And God bless them. We should all be praying for them so that Christ can continue to give them the courage and that that the Holy Spirit continues working through them. But as far as most Catholics go, if we're being honest, they cower and they don't say anything. Why? Because you don't want to get kicked out of Twitter or Facebook? You may lose a few friends. A coworker may look at you funny. Are these things really what's holding you back from proclaiming the gospel? What have they done for your salvation? Stop caring about disappointing the world and start caring about disappointing your creator. But fearing the world doesn't just apply to fearing the secular world. There are Christians who fear other Christians too. And what I mean by that is that they fear other Christians might see them as quote-unquote not Christian enough. So they start acting holier and presenting themselves to be better than who they really are. Like, you, you, you know God is watching, right? <laughs> you know he can see what's in your heart. Who do you think you're fooling? This makes no sense to me. Why would you want to be anything but authentic? Why try to be fake how Christian you are with other Christians? And I know that sounds crazy to say, but that's the way the devil uses our pride, to the point where we are fearing what other Christians, other Christ-loving brothers and sisters, think of us. Now look, that's something I'd expect out of somebody who hates Christianity to do. You know, those, you'll have those people who are more secular, have a more progressive ideology, who just pretend to be Christian. They wear the Christian name so that they can continue to receive all the social benefits of being a Christian, like having a community, having these friends and these family gatherings to enjoy each other's company. They'll keep the Christian name so that they're not kicked out of the circle, and they hope to win over some of the Christians and lure them into whatever crap they, they believe in. I totally expect faking being a good Christian from those people. But why would you, as a devout, sincere, practicing Christian, do the same with other Christians? Do you honestly think that a Christian brother and sister would judge you for being quote-unquote less Christian than you should be? Who has the standard of what a good Christian should be other than Christ? We all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God, as Paul puts it in Romans. So stop being Christian for others and be Christian for Christ. The name Christian implies that you're a follower of Christ, not a follower of the world. So it's time to act like it. Lastly, I can't think of a worse or more dangerous example than when Catholic clergy play into the sphere of the world. We see some Catholic churches celebrate some of the worldly crap in the name of tolerance and inclusion because they fear the world will hate them. They compromise the truth and lead many faithful astray just so that they can get a reward from the secular world. In Luke 17, Jesus says that temptations to sin are sure to come. But woe to him by whom they come. It would be better for him to have a millstone hung around his neck and to be cast in the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones to sin. We need to pray for these clergy members who are causing many to stray away from the fullness of truth, who are learning to fear the world from them. So let's start fearing the Lord. Fear him because you love him so much that you don't want to disappoint him. Fear him because you don't want to lose God by sinning. Fear God because you love Him. Don't love God because you fear Him. 
Set yourself free from the world, because the world hates you as it hated Christ. Don't waste your time trying to please something that wants nothing but destruction for you. You don't need to please evil to be good. Evil can never be pleased with you unless you yourself become evil. You don't need to win the world over, because Jesus says, What will profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his life? So fear the Lord, because fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And that brings me to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Please don't forget to share with your family and friends. And please continue to pray for me as I pray for you all. Also, don't forget to check out our other shows by ECRC. We have The Catholic Avengers by two guys who pretend to like each other, Jeff and Pilar. And then we have The Right to be Catholic by a guy who pretends to know things, Sean A.R. And we also have The Invitation to Sisterhood by Vanessa, Adora, and Patrice. I will not make fun of them this episode, maybe in a future episode. But I love you all. God bless you all. And be salty. Be salty.